ever wonder if rock and roll is dead? Does the music we grew up loving align with modern sensibilities? Or should it be relegated to the dustbin of regrettable rock history? My name is Scott. And this is Rico. We are your rock and roll pathologists. Join us as we take your favorite songs and put them under the knife every week on Rock and Roll Autopsy. New episodes every Sunday at midnight, wherever you stream your podcasts. The Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. Welcome in to the Rock Talk Studio, the ultimate review of rock and roll books, documentaries, and movies. And today I'm going to be dissecting, analyzing, and discussing, rating, and reviewing the YouTube documentary Bono and the Edge, A Sort of Homecoming with David Letterman. And I know what you're thinking. How compelling can a YouTube documentary be with two of the four band members missing? I mean, this band has been together, all original members, for 47 years. That's going to be today's Spotlight Review And then I'm going to take a look at what's new, what's coming out, and make sure to leave you with a few titles I recommend you checking out. This month has got some real good ones, including a book about a band that's no one's favorite band, but has written everyone's favorite songs. And I promise to deliver all this to you with all the passion of The Clash calling out to London. I'm your host, Big Rick. Let's plug in and start the show with a review of Bono and Edge, Sort of Homecoming with David Letterman. Sort of Homecoming with David Letterman is sort of a celebration, sort of a concert performance, sort of an interview. It's sort of a band history. It's sort of a story of a friendship between Bono and The Edge. And it's Dave Letterman walking around, getting to know Dublin while goofing around with the locals. But overall, it's sort of great in a lot of ways. The Letterman inclusion stemmed from a connection that goes way back to the numerous times U2 has played. Uh, Letterman's Late Show. There was even a time I remember when they played the show five nights in a row. But with this, Bono actually sent Letterman an email and requested that he travel to Dublin to kind of tour some of the places that served as backdrop to the band's beginning in history. He's also there to hear their new music, the reworking of 40 U2 songs with a stripped down, rearranged approach that they released on the album called Songs of Surrender. And like the new songs, this is sort of wrapped around, I mean, the documentary is a step back in the past while moving towards a really unpredictable time in the band's future. I mean, this is the first time in their close to 50-year history they're going to do live shows without drummer Larry Mullen Jr., who is recovering from a few injuries. And with bass player Adam Claytonoff making a film, sort of homecoming, this documentary is in a large part the Bono and Edge story. The producer, Morgan Neville, had a lot to juggle with the opportunity of pairing Bono, Edge, and Letterman, three pretty strong personalities. One of the ways he accomplished this, though, is his exceptional editing. The cuts of Dublin are not only entertaining in their beauty, but also interesting. They give you a really nice snapshot of the city. The reflection moments about the band coming up, how they got their nicknames, are all spliced together with early concert footage and visit to some of U2's old stomping grounds. He has a few themes running throughout this, and what makes it so enjoyable is his ability to weave all of them together while forwarding the story. Real great discussions around creativity and the relationship of these two lifelong friends, Bono and Edge. 
And this is where Letterman is used best, not only as an interviewer, but as a fan who is interested and even taken back a little by being this close to U2's creative process. There's a really great scene with The Edge and Letterman in a studio. You know me, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's one of a kind moment for not only Letterman, but anyone who would be able to stand next to Edge and watch him play. Combined with the revealing discussions, Morgan was able to merge absolutely incredible, and this is, this, is the, this is the best part of the whole thing, moments of Bono and Edge playing with a group of local talent, kind of like a little mini orchestra, to a small audience in an old theater. It's just breathtaking. The songs, the way they were set up, the performances, how it was shot, the lighting, the intimacy. There was more than a few goosebump moments with this. The slowed down revised versions of the songs takes a little get used to if you're a U2 fan because you're used to the way they originally were recorded. But in this documentary, it really lent itself to what they were trying to do with this new presentation of the music and really put a spotlight on the depth and an amazing poetry in Bono's words. It also displays Edge's ability to find a musical moment and capitalize on it. There's just a way that he can pick out a little melody or maybe just a little piano part, especially because these versions are quieter and more pensive than the full band's delivery. It's impressive. U2 has always found a way of creating emotional moments with their music, and they did not underwhelm here. This documentary is high quality, well-produced, and well-put-together production, and does include some casual moments, one of them being Bono and the Edge's visit to a local pub. The pub is filled with locals and musicians Glenn Hansard from the movie Once, who has a few really good moments discussing the band with Letterman, and Dermot Kennedy is there also. And after a few pints go around and they break out into a version of the U2 song, All I Want Is You. And to me, when I was watching it, it felt a little forced. But what I found interesting was while I was researching the producer Morgan Neville, I found a quote from him that he said, of all the things he witnessed while making the film, those performances in the pub will remain with him the rest of his life. Pretty cool. <laughs> this is not the definitive you know, story of U2's career. It's not one of those documentaries. It's more of a look at the creative process. The band's history is mixed in there, but it's about the relationship between the two bandmates, Bono and The Edge. Throw in a handful of emotional and moving performances, a little Letterman's Everyman's View and Comic Relief, and you're left with a really insightful presentation. These two incredible musicians and this extraordinary band. Where will it fall on our rating system? Coming up next, Bono and Edge, Sword of Homecoming, gets its official Rock Talk Studio rating. Looking for more recommendations for a good rock and roll book, documentary, or movie? Well, that's what this show is all about. That's what I'm up to here. That's pretty much why I created the podcast. It was really to share my passion, some might call it obsession, with watching rock and roll documentaries and reading rock and roll books. If you're new here, welcome in, and please know that my goal is to leave you with a few things to check out. If you've been with me for a while, thank you so much for the support. It really does mean a lot. I'm pretty active on social media, and I really enjoy talking to a bunch of you there. The show's archives, that's where you need to go. It's a great resource for recommendations and reviews on a ton of titles. Just reviewed Lucinda Williams' new memoir, Bono's memoirs in there. That's a that's a good one. There's a great new Allman Brothers book out called Brothers and Sisters, and I had a chance to interview the author, Alan Paul, about the book. That's a great episode. David Bowie's documentary, Moonage Daydream, was the last show I did. 
There's also the Abbey Road documentary, If These Walls Could Sing. There's a Randy Rhodes documentary in there, and that's just naming a few. It's easy to remember when the show comes out. It's always the first Tuesday of the month. So the first Tuesday of every month, you can find it all at rocktalkstudio.buzzsprout.com or any directory where you listen to your podcast. Okay, let's do the rating for the U2 sort of homecoming Bono and Edge documentary. And then I'm going to jump in and share a few other titles that I really want to talk about. And they feature new books and documentaries about Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, The Eagles, Derek and the Dominoes, Joe Cocker, and Bob Dylan, to name a few. Here's how I rate documentaries and books. I rate them on a scale of one to four. One is a front row center. It doesn't get any better than this. This is a one of a kind work, something that really stands out among others. It's a rare, rare find. That's a one front row center. Two is a floor seat. It's highly recommended. It's a must see or read. This is a don't miss title. Three, three is a low seat. It's okay. It still could be recommended. It's not bad. It just doesn't blow me away. And four, you're in the nosebleeds, baby. You too, Sort of Homecoming, Bono on the Edge, David Letter, and all that. This great documentary is a floor seat all the way. I highly recommend it. It's a must-see. You've got to see this. It's really well done. It's a floor seat all the way. Check it out. If you'd like to get in touch with me, send me a recommendation or a question. Shout out to me, Big Rick, at info at rocktalkstudio.com. Speaking of shout outs, I wanted to let you know about a podcast, a rock and roll podcast, where these two guys get together and these t- tell these great rock and roll stories. The one I listened to was how Metallica got together. They, they just have a way of, you know what? I'm going to let them tell you about it. Hey, it's Brian. And hey, it's Murdoch. We host a show called Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories, and it exists to discuss and maybe set straight the rumor, innuendo, and hidden details that surround some of your favorite bands and songs. But really what we are are a couple of best friends who love rock and roll. So instead of just the two of us trying to pick what we're going to talk about, our listeners do. Recently on the show, we've talked about everybody from Jefferson Airplane and Whitesnake to Shania Twain and the Plain White Tees. Download episodes from wherever you get your podcasts, and there's new shows every Wednesday. It's Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. Keep telling stories. That's the Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories podcast. Check it out. You'll love what those guys are up to. Rapid fire recommendation time. I've dug around, watched, and read a couple of interesting titles this last month that I've been really looking forward to sharing with you. So I'm going to start. Where do I start? Books, documentaries. I think I'm going to go books. And books, the first one I want to talk about, the new book, Life in the Fast Lane, The Eagle's Reckless Ride Down the Rock and Roll Highway by Mick Wall. And when I first got this book, I couldn't help but think another story of the Eagles. I mean, I've seen the all-encompassing documentary history, history of the Eagles, read the Don Felder book. What else really was there left to explore? Writer Mick Wall has probably written more books on rock and roll than anybody that I know. He wrote for the pop- popular Kerrang! magazine early in his career, and then he oversaw press campaigns for artists like uh, Sabbath, Journey, Thin Lizzy, The Dam, Dire Straits. I mean, this guy knows the industry and he knows what it's like hanging out with rock stars. And there was no bigger rock star in the 70s than the Eagles. I mean, they sold more records than Zeppelin and the Stones combined. Great quote 
by Wall. I used it in the beginning of the show. The Eagles was nobody's favorite band, but they wrote everybody's favorite song. I think he nailed it with that one. Here's what surprised me about this book and made it such a good read. Number one, Wall's delivery. He is a no-bullshit kind of guy. Everybody gets a shot in this one. No one is spared, and nothing is off-limits. He just gives it straight, and there's very little fluff or wasted pages. He does put in humor. He's just been there and done that, so he just has a way of translating that into the story. Number two, he's also got a great way of summarizing what was going on culturally. This is kind of the way the book runs um, throughout. It's an uncanny ability to dip into details and move the story along at a pace that makes you want to know what happens next. And I already know what happens next. So his storytelling is tops. Three, I still don't know if Wall hates the band or likes them. But what I do know is that he gives an honest look at the scope and the greatness of what they created and how they achieve the level of success that that no band has. I mean, no band has sold as many records as the Eagles. His documentation of the obsessive drive of Don Henley and Glenn Fry makes this book a must. I highly recommend this one. Check it out. Life in the Fast Lane by Mick Wall. Several years ago, 6,000 original Bob Dylan manuscripts were revealed to exist, and they were shipped to Tulsa, Oklahoma to be housed in the new Bob Dylan Center. You got draft lyrics, notebooks, countless still and moving images, thousands of hours of stories and live recordings. Nearly all the material presented at the Dillon Center is unique, previously unavailable, and in many cases, even previously unknown. And then there's a new book coming out called Bob Dylan, Mixing Up the Medicine, comes out October 24th, and it takes a look at a lot of the material that is featured at the center. It's going to have over 600 images in the book of items that document Dylan's amazing career. I'm planning my trip to the Bob Dylan Center next year, but in the meantime, I'll have to settle for the book already pre-ordered, and I'll have it in a couple of weeks. Bob Dylan mixing up the medicine. Check that one out. One more book that looked pretty good that I wanted to mention was Bernie Taupin's memoir, um, Scattershot. Four years after Elton John published his memoir, Taupin releases his on September 12th. That should be a really interesting read, Bernie Taupin's memoir. documentary time. I saw a great documentary that I want to discuss. Ever wonder who created the iconic Pink Floyd album covers like Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here, Animals, or the Zeppelin covers, Houses of the Holy and Presence? Remember that black object that was sitting on the table that the family was staring at on the album cover of Presence? Ever wonder who came up with that? Well, this documentary called Squaring the Circle The story of an art house called Hypnosis is about two guys who ran the studio and became the go-to for the megastars of the 60s and early 70s when it comes to creating album covers. And they created hundreds, hundreds of iconic album covers. Their work is so mind-blowing that Paul McCartney just picked up the phone and called them personally to do the Wings album covers. The two guys behind this are Storm Thorgensen and Aubrey Poe Powell. And the doc traces their early beginnings. They grew up in London, and they lived in a a beat-up apartment where the members of Pink Floyd would come by, hang over, and party, which led them to ask them, hey, can we take a shot at your first album cover, which was Saucer Full of Secrets album? From there, it just explodes for them. I, I love a rock and roll documentary that explores aspects around the band, different themes or something that contributed without being a piece of music or something to do with the music. 
And this one is a great one. It also features new interviews with Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. They also speak to Roger Waters, David Gilmour, Paul McCartney's in there, Noel Gallagher. Great documentary, highly recommended, Squaring the Circle. There's a really exciting uh, announcement for a new documentary. It's not out yet. I can't wait to see this one. It's won a ton of awards at film festivals. It's the follow-up to the Wrecking Crew documentary by Danny Tedesco, the director. Uh, It's called The Immediate Family, and it consists of the story of studio band that's made up of Danny Korchmar, Leland Scalar, Russ Kunkel, the the famous drummer, Wadi Wachell, the famous guitar player, and Steve Postel. They were at the genesis of that singer-songwriter era in the 70s. The amount of albums that these guys have played on is silly. I mean, Stevie Nicks, David Crosby, Neil Young, Jackson Brown, Don Henley, James Taylor, Phil Collins. I mean, that's just a few. It's currently screening in theaters. I can't wait to check it out, and we'll definitely do a review once it comes out and starts streaming. Going to wrap up the show with taking a look at what turns 10 this year. Going to look back 10 years from now and dig up a famous book or documentary that came out. And this one was an easy pick. The documentary Muscle Shoals, the classic documentary Muscle Shoals, came out September 2013. To me, one of the greatest rock and roll documentaries of all time. One of my personal favorites, a front row center all the way. It's the film about uh, Fame Studios and its founder, the one-of-a-kind personality Rick Hall in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, and the nearby Muscle Shoals Sound Studio. It showcases uh, the Swampers, the great band there that, that came up with the Muscle Shoals sound that everybody wanted to be a part of. Interviews with Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Percy Sledge, uh, Greg Allman's in there, Steve Winwood, Clarence Carter, Etta James, Alicia Keys, Bono. Go back and dig this one out. It turns 10 this month, the Muscle Shoals documentary. Thanks for tuning in. Love talking rock and roll and getting a chance to recommend a few titles for you. I appreciate anyone who takes a few minutes out of their day to enjoy this ride with me. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed putting it together. I'll see you the next first Tuesday of the month with a new episode. All right, tear it down, pack it up, and head on down the road. We'll see you next time in the Rock Talk studio.